Today, church, we come here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the cornerstone of our faith. It's the crowning moment, that, that crowning proof that Jesus defeated death. And listen, there's nothing in all creation that will separate us. The Bible tells us this, that will separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ. And today, we are here to hear what it is that God has for us. I want to tell you something, church. You look Easter good today. You really do. You look Easter good. And so I'm excited about that. Today, if you'll turn with me in Matthew chapter 28, we're going to start with verses 1 through 6. And it's this. It says, early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear and when they saw him, they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, do not be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said it would happen. Come see where his body was lying. Today I want to kind of set the context for you of where, where we'll be at in the Bible and God's word today. And I want to give you a little insight. So after Jesus Christ died and then he rose from the dead, in the New Testament there are 13 post-resurrection appearances of Jesus before he ascended into heaven. So 13 times he appeared to different people. He appeared to the women at the tomb, as we just read to you right there, right? He appeared to the two men on the walk to Emmaus. He also appeared to the 10 disciples. He appeared to them. He appeared to 500 people. You don't hear a lot about this one. 500 people he appeared to in a public appearance. He appeared before a meal. He took the disciples fishing, right? He took the disciples up on a mountain. He appeared 13 different times to his disciples. See, in Matthew 28, the disciples were on a mountain uh, right before the ascension. And if you don't know what the ascension is, it's when Jesus, he, he pulled his disciples together. He met them there and he said, listen, I'm leaving. And he suddenly was standing there and just whoosh, right up into the clouds he went. And so before he ascended into heaven, church, what he did is he gave the disciples their divine assignment. He gave them their divine assignment and he told them to do the very same thing that he tells every single one of you sitting here that we are called to do. And it's this, it's to go out into the world and to tell others about the gospel of what Jesus Christ did when he went to the cross for forgiveness of our sins. That is what we are called to do. You're also called to tell them that he was without sin, that he, that he took our sin, right? He died on the cross three days later. He rose from the grave. So anyone who believes him, as the Bible said, anyone who believes in him will be forgiven and they will have eternal life. They will be transformed. So God says, you go and tell the whole world. And Jesus told them. He told them this, but then there is a verse so if you look with me in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 and 17, it says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. And here's the key right here, church. So many people overlook at this. It says they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Some of them doubted. A lot of people miss this. You know, I want to raise an observation about human nature this morning. I want you to get this. I don't know why it is, 
But when we see somebody who is having you know, a rough time in life, some bad things, circumstances maybe in their life, often it's encouraging to us, isn't it? Make sure you understand what I'm saying here. It's encouraging to us because have you ever noticed that when someone is doing that, you see this kind of thing like, oh, it's not just me. It's not just me. See, rather than encouraging, encouraging me, see, the disciples, right, when, when they saw Jesus Christ, think about this. They saw him. They witnessed him. They saw him bloody, a nasty mess on the cross. They saw him die. They saw him put in the tomb. And then they saw him again where he rose from the grave. And, and so they saw the resurrected Christ. But yet in Matthew chapter 28, verse 17, it says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. They still doubted. And you know what, church? Sometimes that makes me feel good that they struggled at times too. Think about this for a minute. Think about this. It's a weird thing in human nature. When someone else struggles, it, it makes you kind of feel better. This past uh, week, I was doing a funeral, and I saw two ladies at the funeral, and, and they kind of said, like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, you know, the typical answer, hey, I'm doing good. This one lady, she got real big-eyed. She goes, no, how you doing? I'm like, lady, you asked. <laughs> I'm going I'm to lay it out here for you. I, so I told her, my throat's still a little bit messed up. The largest tree in my backyard, I spent all fall landscaping around. just trying to make it look pretty. I wanted it to look really good this summer. That tree just whipped over in that windstorm. It's still laying in my yard, by the way. And then my Jeep was having problems, and it's all messed up in the shop. And I said, and you asked. You asked. And you know what they said to me? The one lady looked at me real sweet, and she goes, that makes me feel better. And I'm like, what? That makes you feel better that I've got all these problems. And then here's what she said. She goes, well, I didn't know that pastors had problems. And I'm like, maybe most of them don't, but this guy got all kinds of them, right? On the day they handed out, God's handed out those pastor have no problem cards. I must have missed that day because I got lots of them. And see, the funny thing, though, the funny thing about human nature is when we see somebody else struggle, and you're not being, like, nasty about it, but it makes you feel better. It makes you feel that you're not alone, right? It helps me know that the disciples, they saw the resurrected Christ, and some still doubted. Because, church, you know what? Sometimes I feel close to God, and sometimes I still have struggles, Sometimes I still have doubts about things. You know what? I don't know if you can relate or not. I'm just being honest with you this morning, right? There are times in my life where I can feel, church, I can feel the touch of God. And, and I believe he is good. I believe that he is with me, right? And, and, you know, if you told me that God's not real, I'm like, oh, really? Your mama's not real then, you know? That's the kind of way I look at it with them. But it's personal at times. And then there's at other times I'm like, in the middle of something, and I'm kind of like, man, God, where are you at? You know, I might, I might even be in the middle of the presence of God, and, and you know, I could be in church, and, and, and what's going on, it's really happening, and, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, is God really doing this thing, and is God really going to do this? Is he there for me, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, I prayed about this, and, and I'm waiting for God to move, and I still haven't seen him move. And church, it can be really scary in Christian circles when you start to doubt because you want to ask questions, right? You want to ask questions like, well, why is it like this? And you're afraid to do it in church circles because you don't want anyone to doubt your faith. We struggle. And so here's what happens. Some people 
leave the church because they feel like they're the only ones. They feel like they're the only ones. You know, they want to ask, and, and they're really struggling hard, but, but maybe you feel guilty, you, you, you feel ashamed, and, and some people leave that church because they're afraid to ask those hard questions, you know, questions like, is this actually real, right? How, how, how many of you battle with those doubts sometimes, and, and why do we doubt? Why is it that you and I doubt at times? Right? I narrowed it down to three answers. There might be more, but how about this? There are questions that we can't answer. Sometimes we have doubt because there are questions we can't answer. I'm telling you right now, when I get to heaven, and I know I'm going to heaven. I know I am. You've got to know that you are. You can't say, I hope. You either know you are or you're not. But I'm telling you, when I get to heaven, and talk about one of those questions you can't answer, I want to know where the dinosaurs went. I do. You know they were here. We don't know what happened to them, right? There's all kinds of evidence, big bones, all that kind of stuff. I want to know where them dinosaurs went. What happened to them? One of my questions that I can't answer here. Maybe the second thing is this. Sometimes there are situations that just aren't fair. They're just not fair. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, I prayed about it. God, I know that you could have. I know that you could have, but you didn't. God, why didn't you do it? And man, you could even spiral clear down to like, does God even love me? Because he didn't do this for me. And the third thing, and man, we see this a lot. Bad things happening to good people and good things happening to bad people. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? It makes you wonder. You know, you, maybe you see innocent kids who are suffering, but then you got this really nasty, bad dude over here that, I mean, he's He's vile, and all this wonderful stuff is happening for him. Maybe at church it comes down for you is that you looked up to someone. I mean, you looked up to him big time as a Christian, and then they did something horrible, and you can't believe it, right? Or maybe you felt like the church, the church was a safe place, and then you found out, unfortunately, it wasn't as safe as you thought it was. Maybe you know a Christian who just don't give any grace whatsoever, they don't bend in that grace area at all for you. See, some people feel that they have no other option but to walk away from God. And do you know something? Think about this. Do you know that your doubts, if properly handled, make sure you get this right, your doubts, if properly handled, can be a catalyst to strengthening your faith. If it's handled properly, it can be a catalyst to strengthening your faith. Your doubts don't have to take you away from God, but your doubts can actually draw your closer to God. Do you realize that your faith is a journey? It's not a destination. It is a constant journey. I mean, you are constantly moving along. You don't ever arrive. If you're sitting there thinking like, oh, I've arrived in my faith, you got it really wrong. You are still learning. You are still growing. As long as you have breath in your lungs, there is something new that God is revealing to you, and he's showing you. Your faith is a journey. You don't ever arrive. And you don't sit there and say, like, oh, I've gone to small group. I've done the work. I've taken the tests, right? God gave me lots of tests in my life, and I passed those tests. So now I have graduated in the faith. I got a PhD in faith, right? I got an MBA in faith. Now I have perfect faith. You don't ever arrive like that. You just don't get there that way. See, you never will get to the point of, I know it all. I know what's going on here. Now, I want you to think, the church should be a really safe place to ask questions. 
when I was growing up, and I grew up in the church, I've gone here my whole life, and, and back in the, the 80s and early 90s, there was a youth program we had here. It was called Jam, Jesus and Me. Let me tell you what, if you lived in Wellsville, you went to jam at least one time in your life. Everybody came to jam. And I remember this one kid came in, and this dude, Jimmy was his name, of course. Jimmy came to youth group. He came to jam one time, and Jimmy's sitting there talking, and the teacher's sitting there telling us stuff, and all of a sudden... Teacher said, you need to pay attention. He goes, I don't believe any of this stuff. This teacher kind of had a meltdown on him, telling him, you better do it, and just rolling out on this kid. This kid was probably 13, 14 years old. And let me tell you right now, Jimmy never came back to jam. He never came back to youth group again. Church, a lot of times I think when someone questions their faith, we kind of have that meltdown, right? Listen, we all have doubts at times. We all have questions and we all have doubts, and the church should be a very safe place for you to ask those questions or to verbalize those doubts. The strongest faith isn't a faith that never doubts. The strongest faith is a faith that grows through your doubts is how it works. It grows through those doubts. So the example is of Thomas after the resurrection. If you look with me at John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, Verse 24, it says this, And one of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. So, right, he, he didn't see him the first round. And so they told him, we have seen the Lord. Now, I want to stop there for a minute. That, that phrase right there, I like to dig into things. I really do. I'm, I'm curious about things. I, I like to know definitions. You hear me tell you definitions all the time. Sometimes I'll give you a definition because, you know what, you'll sit there, hey, do you know what this word means? Oh, yeah, I know what it means. What's it mean? Well, I really can't explain it, but I know what it means, right? I like to dig into this a little bit. And so this part right here, this is funny. I was studying and, and was reading John chapter 20, verse 24 and 25, and that is in the Greek, this, this we have seen the Lord. When it comes down to it in the Greek, it is a verb that is in active tense. And so let me explain that very simply to you. It's like the kid that's sitting in the back seat of your car going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And so that's what these guys were doing. They're like, we've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. And they just can't stop saying that phrase. And then it goes on to say, but he replied, this is Thomas. I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound on his side. And let me tell you what, right there, that boy got labeled when he made that statement. Everybody throughout the rest of history has called him Doubting Thomas. Remember, he wasn't there. He didn't see Jesus with his eyes. He just heard about it. But he did see all the rest of the nastiness that went on before the resurrection. And so he kind of gets a bad rap, if you want my opinion in it. He gets a bad rap here. The only reason those other dudes were believing is because they saw it with their own eyes. They saw it with their own eyes because they saw him. And, and that is why I think that a lot of us, we can relate to Thomas in sometimes certain, certain circumstances of our life. He was a realist. Thomas was a realist. He just wanted to know. I got to see it. So I'm guessing that Thomas is a lot like you and me. He's a lot like us because he'd been maybe through some stuff. You know, Thomas had been through some stuff. <clears throat> maybe he had some disappointments. 
Maybe you had some, uh, some heartbreaks. Maybe you had some very real and, and, and honest and sincere, complicated, I mean, complicated questions. And, and just because you have some questions, church, it doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make you bad. What it does, questions make you human. I had one of my kids, and, and he was that, that, that child that asked like a bazillion questions. And I kind of blame myself for that. He, he, he just always had a question for you. And in the beginning, you know, when he started asking questions, he'd be like, you know, Dad, why is that tree like that? And you give him an answer thinking that'll satisfy it. And you know what his next thing is? Why? 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 And you're like, here, son, have another cheese. it Let's keep rolling down the road here, right? You want, always happened in the car, the most annoying place for it to happen, right? And so he was always asking why, and I was not a good father because I'm just like, put another cheese it in your mouth because I'm tired of your questions. You ask too many of them. But you know, questions make us human. They do. Oswald Chambers says this, doubt is not always a sign that man is wrong. It may be a sign that he's thinking. That he's thinking, doubt is not always a sign that a man is wrong. It may be a sign that he is actually thinking. So your doubts, church, does not disqualify your faith. We all have those. I believe that Thomas had just as much faith as the others. And here's why. The the Bible shows us this. In John chapter 11, if you want to flip over to that with me, in John chapter 11, verses 14 through 16, says this, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. That was Jesus speaking right there. But listen, he goes on in verse 16. It says, Thomas nicknamed the twin. We'll have to dig into that another day. He said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. He's sitting there thinking about this. He's, you know, so this guy, Lazarus, is dead. He'd been dead for four days, so you know he ain't smelling real good. And Jesus says, let's go to him. And Thomas ready to jump in and said, let's go. You know, we'll die with Jesus, right? That's not fear, that's courage. And, and Thomas is like, man, if they're going to kill us, let's make sure we're with the right people when it happens, right? He says, let's go with Jesus. And that is not a lack of faith. Actually, that's tremendous faith that he demonstrated. And then one of my favorite verses in the Bible, man, this is one that, listen, If you never heard this today, you make sure this one sinks into you today in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And this is Jesus speaking. He says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place I'm going, Jesus said. So Jesus is telling his disciples, like, listen, I'm leaving, and here's where I'm going. And I'm going to come back and get you because you are in me. And then here's in verse 5. So Jesus said, you know the place where, you know the way to the place I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, so how can we know the way? So here's Thomas. He's asking a question again. Jesus said all this really cool stuff, like, I'm leaving. I'm ascending. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to get a room ready for you. You know where I'm going. And he's like, no, I don't. I have no clue. I don't understand. 
So he was the bold one to ask the question. And then he said, you know, I do not know where you're going, so how can I know the way? And Jesus answered, I love such a simple answer, but it's profound. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. So if you don't get what that verse means, I'm going to boil it down for you a little easy. Jesus said there's no way you can get to heaven except through him. You can look all pretty at church. You, you can come to church every day of your life, but if you don't accept Jesus Christ, if it is not a real relationship, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. So Thomas, as Jesus was saying, he's kind of like raising his hand like, ooh, 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 I got a question. We don't understand. You know, he was the one that was bold enough to do that. We don't know you're going, so how can we know the way? And that's a sincere question very sincere. He's like, I need the details. Jesus, I need you to tell me. Thomas just want to know for himself how you do this. Church, listen, if your kids, you raise your kids in the church and you need to, your kids need to know about Jesus. They really do. They need to know about Jesus. But you raise your kids in the church, and there's going to be a point, right? You know, this is what you've always done. You, you brought them to church. You brought them to Sunday school, VBS, youth group, and, and this is church. This is what we do. But sooner or later, they're going to grow up, and the reason they have faith is because you told them to have faith, but sooner or later, they're going to have to own that faith themselves. In the day that your child says to you, yeah, I don't know about all this. You know, I know this is what you told me my whole life, but yeah, I, I'm not sure about this. Your typical parent response is to have this meltdown, like, we didn't raise you like this, and uh, that's blaspheme in our house. That is a typical response, but you control yourself. He's asking, she is asking questions because she needs to own that faith. He needs to own that faith himself. And so you have to have the right attitude with it. It's not a time to panic. It's a time to process. It's a time to talk about it. You know, keep pressing into those things of the Lord with them. Absolutely. And then watch how they'll continue to dig. You got to let them own it for themselves. Watch how Jesus responds to Thomas's doubt in John chapter 20. So remember, Thomas says, I want to see it for myself. I didn't say, I want to stick my fingers in his hands. I want to stick my hand in his side, right? He, he's saying that. And check out how Jesus responds to Thomas's doubt in verse 26. It says, eight days later, the disciples were again, were together again. And this time, Thomas was with him. Remember, he wasn't there before. He didn't witness it. He was one of the guys that was kind of left out in that deal. So Thomas shows back up. You realize in the middle of his doubt, because he said, I don't believe it, he still showed up because he was hungry for answers. He showed back up. So if there's any one of you who are here today, think about this. If you are here today and you've been hurt, hurt by the church, maybe you've got some doubts in your life, I want to applaud you. You know why? Because you showed back up. You came still seeking wanting some answers. Let's go back to this, right? And so Thomas, eight days later, they're all together again. And then it says, the doors were locked, but suddenly as before Jesus was standing among them, I want you to gather this in your head for a moment, right? The doors were locked. Those boys were laying low. They didn't want anyone. They didn't want the same thing to happen to them that happened to Jesus. So they're laying low there and the doors were locked. And then suddenly, whoo, Jesus is in there. No door open. He didn't knock and someone opened and let him in. 
He just came in. And then it goes on to say this. He says, peace be with you. Jesus said that. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into my wound on my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Now, gather this. When Thomas made that statement, Jesus wasn't there. When he said, I don't believe it. I want to stick my hand in there. And so could you imagine Thomas like, whoa. First, he just shows up in here without using a door or window, and now he's repeating back to me what I said when he wasn't around. There's a moment for Thomas right there. But then he says, my Lord, my God, Thomas exclaimed. He believed. He believed, church. See, Jesus came to Thomas and gave him exactly what he needed. One moment he was doubting, and then the next minute, you know, he's shouting, and he's saying, my Lord, my God, you know, it is you. It's true. It's true. Just like what some of you would do when Jesus touches you. Man, when the Lord gets a hold of you, sometimes it's wild how he does it, and you can't control yourself. You can't control yourself. And, and, and you know what? It, it's when Jesus touches you, it's proving that, that God is not distant in your life, right? That God is not distant in your doubts. You know, somebody here needs to hear this this morning. I really believe this. It, it's Jesus is not a standoff Savior. He's not a standoff Savior at all. He wants to be like right there. He wants to be all up in your business is what it is. And, and he is willing to be touched, he wants you to reach out to him. If he feels far away from you today, you got to reach out and touch him. He's right there. You don't have to reach far. He's right there with you. And what I love about Jesus, what I love about our Heavenly Father is you can ask questions. I hear people say all the time in church, well, I know you're not allowed to question the Lord. Oh, yeah, you are. I can show you all through the New Testament and the Old Testament where some of the prophets, you know, some of the guys who, who was doing amazing things are like, Lord, why are you doing this? Or why is this happening to me? Right? Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, remember what he said? He asked the Lord a question. You can ask questions. You can take frustrations to him. You can wrestle with him. Church, you can complain to him. He actually wants to hear your complaints. The rest of the world doesn't, but he wants to. He wants to hear your complaints. You can tell him you don't understand. Thomas asked questions. He asked questions, and Thomas needed answers, and here's what's wild. He got them. He got his answers. So what did he do? After Thomas got the answers, he served Christ faithfully. Tradition tells us, after preaching Jesus for many years, after Jesus ascended to heaven, they all went out and did the thing that they were commanded to do, right? Thomas, after he preached Jesus for many years, Thomas was murdered in India in 72 AD because he wouldn't back away from his faith in Christ. 72 AD, he preached for a long time and he was murdered for it. Here's what they did to him. They drove a stake through his stomach because he would not deny Christ. And you know why? Because he witnessed him. He felt him and he touched him. And it's proven to us when you have questions, when you have doubts, your doubts do not disqualify your faith. 
what it can do, church. Remember, your faith is a journey. Your faith is a journey. So what's going to happen at some point in your life? Every single person here, at some point in your life, you're going to have a question. You're going to have a doubt, right? You will have that moment of insecurity. You're going to have a time where you're going to want some details. You're going to want an answer. The answer might not come right away. Sometimes I pray to God, like, and I'm an instant guy. I want it right now. He's like, I'll give it to you in six months. And your spiritual enemy, when you're going through all that, you know what your spiritual enemy is going to do? He's going to whisper in your ear. He's going to try to use your doubt to drive you away from God. He's going to tell you you're not a believer. He is going to tell you that this stuff is not real. He's going to tell you that you don't have perfect faith. He's going to tell you that the church doesn't care about you, which is a lie. He is going to tell you that God is not involved in your life. He's going to tell you that God is not good. He's going to say that God doesn't love you. He's going to say that he is not with you. He's going to say that he hasn't really forgiven you at all for what you've done. He's going to tell you you've been too bad. He's going to tell you that you are filthy dirty for the things that you've done in your life. And after what you said, and after what you did, and after what you thought, and after the way that you acted, and after the things that you behaved badly towards, the enemy's going to say, he don't love you. I want to remind you, church, Satan is the father of all lies. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. Every single thing. That's what the devil wants you to believe. The devil is going to try to use your doubts to try to drive you away from God. But I'm here today to tell you, I'm here today to tell every single person here that God can use your doubt to draw you unto him. He will pull you towards him. And I have had moments, and I'm sure you have too. I've had moments in my life where I'm going through it. And I'm like, God, you got to show me something in this. And sometimes years later, I'll see it. I'm kind of slow on paying attention sometimes. And I'll see him like, oh, all right, I get what you did. I understand now, Lord, I understand. He showed me something. And see, and this is that Jesus loves people that is as broken as I am. When you are broken, he still loves you. Jesus loved all of us, and it is by grace through faith, church, it is by grace through faith in Christ that you are made right in God's eyes. That's where it comes down to. It's always going to take faith. Faith is not the absence of doubt, but faith means that you push through the doubt. I want to share one last verse with you as we get ready to wrap it up today. In Psalm 23, Psalm 23 verse 4, it says this, <clears throat> It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love that. So when you're in a valley, what do you do? You know what most of us do? We pitch a tent and camp out. We kind of hang out there. But in Psalm 23, it tells you, you keep walking through it. We're all going to go through that valley, that shadow, that, that hard part. When you're in the valley of doubt, you don't sit there. You don't just take up residence there. You keep walking. You keep pushing through. When you're in that valley, you don't stay there. You, you, you keep showing back up to where God has called you to, to get your answers. You keep asking questions, and you keep trying to trust God. 
And church, you keep walking towards Jesus. And when you're going through something, listen to me this morning. When you're going through something, you take your burdens, you take your cares, you take your hurts, and all your struggles, and you give them to him. So this morning, as I ask the praise team to come up here, I want to ask you something. Where are you with all your doubts? Where are you this morning with all your brokenness that you have? Where are you this morning with all your baggage that you've accumulated over such a long period of time? Where are you in your life with your sin? Where are you with your shame? Where are you with all the heartaches that you're holding on to? I want to tell you something. God is saying, I have now given you away, and you can release it straight to him. And it's all because Jesus died on the cross, and he rose from the grave. And today we are here to celebrate that. I believe there are some people here today that need to make a decision. That you got some unfinished business in your life. Maybe this morning you just need to make the decision that, you know what, I've always doubted, but I could feel this pulling. And, and you need to make a commitment to Jesus Christ this morning. I mean, I'm talking, you're living your life outside of him. You want to know why your life is so hard? You want to know why you feel like there's no hope? You want to know why you're thinking like, man, where's my future ever going to be? Maybe it's because you're living your life outside of Christ. Well, I want to tell you, there is no better day than on Resurrection Sunday that you can lay it all out and give it to him where he will let you die to your old self and he will resurrect you in a brand new transformed life. If that is for you, I want to encourage you to come forward and for the rest of you believers who are here today, maybe you need to make some decisions today. Maybe you need to push through some doubt that you have. Maybe you have actually been listening to the lies of the enemy where he keeps telling you, you ain't no good. God doesn't really love you like he loves every single other person in that church. Maybe you need to make a decision to say, Lord, I give it back to you again today. I give it all back to you again today. Maybe you need to make a decision saying, you know what? Jesus, I'm going to do what you commanded me to do. But I need to get to it. I need to go out and tell other people. I need to invite people to church. I need to witness to them. I need to say, here's what he did in my life. And to thank him for that. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing. But I want to encourage you to respond this morning.